Turn with me please this evening to the book of Luke. I am uh, so thankful for what the Lord has given us in the teaching and preaching of the word in recent times. I'm thankful for all of it. The Lord, for a couple of years, I had it in my heart to pray and seek the Lord. I don't mean every hour of every day, but on an ongoing thing, it'd come up to me and I'd, I'd remind the Lord and I would tell him that I'm believing him to show me and show us what's him and what's not him. I just knew in my spirit, I just became more and more aware of it. There is so much junk in churches. And I'm talking about what good people believe and what preachers preach. There's so much junk that it's become religious tradition over the years and even centuries, but it never was God. It wasn't God 300 years ago and it's not God now. But because people are so familiar with it, they think it is. And the series that the Lord's been giving us are answers to some of those things. And if you haven't been getting it, please take advantage. The, the series was preaching here in uh, Sarasota on Sunday mornings when I'm with you on um, the way out, talking about repentance. I'm telling you, there's some needful things in there. If you hadn't got it, please go online, download it. Folks in Branson, folks on the internet, folks here, if you hadn't got it, please, you need to. And uh, also, you know, the... Uh, the things that we're ministering on the kingdom there in Branson on Sunday mornings when we're there. Uh, take advantage of these things because uh, the Lord gave utterance specifically for you. And don't think of this just something I decided to preach. If I actually heard from the Lord, it's the Lord giving you something through me. Is that right? Yeah. Giving me something, giving you something through a vessel. And so if he's given it to us, how many think we ought to show at least enough respect and value of it that we'd take the time to listen to it yes. and feed on it and endeavor to understand it? In uh, Luke, the 16th chapter, Luke 16 and verse 10, Luke 16, 10, Jesus said, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Now that's the second time he used that word mammon in this chapter. He's going to use it again in another verse or so here. And what is mammon? Mammon is money and things, material things, personified. And even deified money as a God. He said, if you hadn't been faithful in unrighteous money and things, who will commit to your trust the true riches? So money and things are not true riches. We need some of them, but they're not true riches. And sometimes people have tried to say, well, all that money and that stuff, that don't matter. You know, uh, God doesn't care about that. Uh, these things are the only things that are important. And actually, they got some things backwards. Because the truth is, if you don't handle these natural things right, you don't qualify to handle the more important things. That's not my idea. That's what he's talking about in this passage. 
If you hadn't been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? Keep going. If you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Who can do it? Nobody. Nobody can do it. Either he'll hate the one and love the other. He'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Verse 14. The Pharisees who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him. They got upset about that statement. That you can't serve God and mammon. And why did it upset them? Because it applied to them. Right? Wonder about the word that upset you. (laughs) Or me. What can that be an indicator of? That that was the very word that you needed. That's why it irked you. That's why it bothered you. Because that was where you needed to make a change. He said, uh, you are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Does God have a different priority set and a different value system from ungodly men in this world? Yes. And you want your values to be his values. His priorities to be your priorities. That's what I'm saying. And so uh, you can't serve two masters. We are to only have the one master. God and one Savior, Jesus. So we've been talking about that. We've already covered a lot of ground prior to tonight. So if this is the first time you've been with us, it would have helped if you'd have heard everything that went before because we're going to build on that. But again, you can go online, download it, go in the back, get a CD, get a DVD. It won't cost you anything. Around here we have a saying, no cost means no excuse. <laughs> go to Luke the 12th chapter, please. Luke 12 and 15, just a few verses away. Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. You can't tell how well you're doing in life by how much stuff you've got. A lot of people think that is one of the chief indicators. But according to Jesus, it's not. You could have a lot of stuff and not be having a good life. There are some people that are very, very wealthy, but they're miserable. They're not good people. They don't have good relationships. You know, you can't even enjoy a new car or a new house unless you're right with God. Did you know that? Unless you got peace in your heart. Unless you got joy. Now the Bible said God gives us richly all things to enjoy. So God's not opposed to us having anything. But it is of great significance where our priorities are. And what is important to us and what is most important to us. So he said beware, watch out for and beware of covetousness. What is covetousness? Well, basically covetousness is longing for something. Longing for it 
eager for it, holding for it. And it's interesting that the same ideas involved in the words translated covetousness include the idea of extortion. Extortion. And even if you link it with the verses that are that use these ideas, it has to do with the defrauding, being defrauded. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. We'll look at verses we've looked at again there. 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. 2 Corinthians 11, I want to read this in the Living Bible. And we'll begin in verse 1. He said, I hope you'll be patient with me as I keep on talking like a fool. Do bear with me and let me say what's on my heart. Now let me back up and give you a little context. There have been some super apostles come to these churches at Corinth and have taught things contrary to what Paul has taught them. The Lord, through Paul, founded this church. They were born again under his ministry and came up and began to grow up under his ministry. But some super apostles have come and drawn the people away from Paul to them and are teaching error and claiming all kind of things. And so... The Spirit of God through Paul is dealing with some of this. Keep reading verse 2. He said, I'm anxious for you with deep concern of God himself that your love should be for Christ alone. Just as a pure maiden saves her love for one man only, for the one who will be her husband. See, the enemy through these men were drawing these people away, not just away from Paul, but away from God. And away from Jesus. And he said I'm concerned about you. Not just that I'd be losing a church. Or I'd be losing partners. I'm concerned about your spiritual condition. I'm concerned about what's happening with you. Verse 3. Fearing that in some way you be led away. From your pure and simple devotion to the Lord. Just as Eve was deceived by Satan in the Garden of Eden. The King James says uh, that your minds be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. And one reason I wanted to read this translation because it brings out in that previous verse like a maiden that should be devoted just to her husband and not be deceived by getting involved with somebody else. And this is the core issue And I'll just jump ahead and say this. It's always about the heart. No matter what you're talking about with God. Because back up and think about how does God see you? And what does he see above everything else? God doesn't see as man sees. Man looks on the external. The outward appearance. But what did the scriptures say? But God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. So it's never about technicalities. It's never about rules. It's always about the heart with God. Always. 
It was about the heart with Eve and Adam. It's about the heart with these that he's writing to. And it's about the heart with us today. And I'm saying that in connection with us having how many masters? One master. One master. Now, uh, skip down. Well, let me read verse 4. He said, you seem so gullible. You believe whatever anyone tells you, even if he's preaching about another Jesus than the one we preach, or a different spirit than the Holy Spirit you received, or shows you a different way to be saved, you swallow it all. (laughs) See, ever how you came to meet God, meet the Lord, the ministries he used, the message that came to you, God didn't change two years later. Is that right? The gospel didn't change. The spirit of God didn't change. But the enemy will try to come in and deceive you and lead you astray. He's always doing this. He's the enemy to you and me. He's the enemy of our soul. And this is the primary way he defeats people is by deceiving them just like he did Eve and leading them away from God And to something that is wrong. And false. But according to. uh, uh, Second Corinthians. The second chapter. The 11th verse. You don't have to turn there necessarily. But he said. uh, Lest Satan should get an advantage over us. For we're not ignorant of his devices. We've been given this word. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given ministry gifts. We've been given all these things. We've been given our churches. And our fellowships. Right? In our times of service together. Why? So that we are not gullible. We are not misled. And deceived. Say it out loud. I am not. By the grace of God. By the spirit of God. By the word of God. I am not ignorant. Of Satan's devices. Thank you Lord. Now. Uh, skip on down in that 11th chapter, 2 Corinthians 11, still reading the Living Bible, in the uh, 13th verse. He said these individuals that were, you know, when I, the reason I say super apostles is because that's the language that's actually in the text. They, they were saying, yeah, you know, Paul's an apostle, but we are. <laughs> We've gone beyond Paul. Paul, bless his heart, you know, he had a few revelations. He got you started. But we're going to take you on. And actually what was happening is they're taking them away from God. Away from what was right. And Paul's making it real plain here in verse 13. God never sent those men at all. They are phonies who have fooled you into thinking they are Christ apostles. Did that really happen to these believers at the church of Corinth? Are they being tricked and duped? Wonder if it's happened since then. Wonder could it happen again? This is how the enemy works. He got the very next verse, verse 14. He said, I'm not surprised. Satan can change himself into an angel of light. Keep going. And it's no wonder his servants can do it too. And seem like godly ministers. In the end they'll get every bit of the punishment. That their wicked deeds deserve. 
But the problem is, before that happens, they can lead a lot of people astray. But you don't have to be led astray. I said, you don't have to be led astray. Say it again. I'm not ignorant of Satan's devices. You know one of the reasons you wouldn't be ignorant? Because you're here tonight. That's right. Instead of off goofing off doing something you got no business doing. I commend you. Really. Not just us, but whoever, anywhere in the world where uh, believers are supposed to be and they're gathered together and they're doing what the Lord told them to do and hearing what he's given them to hear, they will be the ones that are prepared and forearmed and ready and not be tricked. But the folks that hadn't got time for God, they turn out to be easy pickings. And some of the ones that are the most deceived and the most devastated are the ones that thought they were smarter than the rest of us. They didn't need all this stuff. They didn't need to come sit and hear a preacher and watch him wave his arms and all like that. <laughs> they didn't need to read a book or read their chapter every day. Are y'all, are y'all with me? They, they didn't need, oh, they're beyond that. They're educated folks. And that's the ones that fall hard. Sometimes don't get back up. No, get a revelation, saints. When the devil comes, he's not going to come. In a red suit with horns and a pitchfork. Right? And yet that's what a lot of Christians, I think, is what they're waiting on. Before they start resisting anything. How's he going to come? He transforms himself as an angel of light. That's one of the things I'm excited about in this series. The Lord is answering our prayer. And he is actually pulling the veil back off of the devil and how he operates. And what I keep saying to myself when I read it and when I read other verses, I just exclaim to myself sometimes, the devil is the original con man. That's what he is. That's how he functions. He comes in as something he's not to get you to believe something that's not true and to steal something from you that you should have. Can you see this? Isn't that what con men do? What people who extort and people who defraud? Yeah. Scam people, defraud them, con them. That's the devil. In a nutshell, that's him. That's him. Now, uh, go with me, please, to the book of Genesis. And let's study this case in detail that is referred to in the New Testament because he was saying... Many, many, many centuries after Genesis, that the devil was doing the same thing in the church at Corinth that he did in the garden with Eve. Well, then we know that's the way he functions and operates. And we'd understand that's the way he's still doing right now, 2013. And the better we understand what happened there with Adam and Eve, the better prepared we'll be. To deal with it when it comes up. I didn't say if it comes up. When it comes up. In our lives. Now in uh, Genesis. The third chapter. How many think this is worth our time? Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read this to you from the, the good news translation. Good news translation. I like the way it says some of this. Genesis 
chapter 3 and verse 1. Before we ever read this, according to 2 Corinthians 11, what happened here? What happened to Eve? Her mind was corrupted and she was deceived. She was removed from the simplicity that was in God. And she was deceived. For lack of another word, she was conned. She was deceived, Timothy says. In the third chapter, in verse 1, in the good news, says, now the snake, King James says serpent, but really, uh, that's a good translation. And the word translated snake and serpent actually literally means that which hisses. Which hisses. And it also means to enchant. That which hisses and that which enchants. So the snake was the most cunning animal and we know that it's the enemy manifesting through this creature and then this form. In fact, more than one verse, he is called that old serpent. The devil himself is called that old serpent. He was the most cunning animal. And that's, I didn't read it, but that's the other part of that meaning of snake to hiss. It involves that idea of cunning. And uh, it says, the snake asked the woman. Now let's back up. This creature is what? Cunning. So is he coming at her head on? No, no, no. He doesn't come at you head on. I'm the devil. And I'm going to make you do something bad. Never will he come at you like that. Never. He'll come at you as your buddy. (laughs) He's going to help you. He's got the deal of the century for you. (laughs) He does. He's got what you always wanted. It's going to change your life. (laughs) Well, that much is true. (laughs) But not how you think. The snake asked the woman, did God really tell you you're not to eat the fruit from any tree in the garden? This is how it starts. What did she say, verse 2? She said, we may eat the fruit of any tree in the garden, the woman answered. Keep going. Except the tree in the middle of it, God told us not to eat the fruit of that tree, even touch it. If we do, we shall die. We will die. I've heard some people say, well, he didn't tell them not to touch it. How do you know he didn't tell them not to touch it? That's just adding a bunch of stuff. How many think it's a good idea not to touch it? (laughs) And you know, we know, we've learned since then, you don't have to just taste something for it to get in your system. There's some things you can touch, put it on your skin, and it can get in your system too. We don't know. No, I'd say this. She is crystal clear about this. Why wouldn't she be? She is crystal clear. About this. To her it is simple. What about it? Don't mess with that tree. Don't eat of it. Don't touch it. If you do. You'll die. There's no confusion. There's no complexity. Here. No complications. No confusion. What did 2 Corinthians 11 say the enemy was able to do with her? 
remove her from the simplicity. Which another way is to say to remove you from your stability. Remove you from being settled. Remove you from being sure and get you to start questioning it. Isn't that what he did? What did he do? He questioned it. And isn't that cunning? He didn't just start out saying God's a liar. He starts out questioning her understanding of what God said. Why? Try to poke a hole in this. Try to at least get her to begin to question what God said. When you're in faith, it's always simple. God said this. That's the way it is. I believe it. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, but what about? No, what about? Yeah, but what if? No, what if? Either God said it or he didn't. When you start going, yeah, but you know, there's a lot to consider. No, there's not. Either what he said is right or it's not. What he said is true or it's not. You can't be in faith, questioning everything. Wondering and vacillating and wavering. That's not faith. You won't get results like that. What did the Bible say? If you waver, what will happen? Don't let that man think you'll receive anything of the Lord. Right? You can't do that. Got to get it settled. She said, we can eat of any tree out here. Except that one. God told us, don't eat of that one. Don't touch it. If you do, you'll die. Clear, clear, clear. What happens next? Verse 4. enchanting way. The reason a lot of times smart people fall for stuff that should be obvious because it's not just about your mental spiritual things are involved here. And when he said this to her it wasn't just abstract thought. Feelings came with this. This is spiritual. Influence. Feeling. What did the snake say? What did the enemy say? That's not true. What's not true? You will not die. This is a, how we used to say it, bald faced lie. He's standing right there lying to her. What is it time to do? Get out of here. So anybody tells you, well, now I know that's what that scripture said, but that's, you know, that's all passed away and that don't apply and that's not true. You're foolish if you continue to listen to them because all you're doing is affording them opportunity to deceive you. And if you think you're too smart to be deceived, you're already being deceived. <laughs> Eve is brilliant. This woman, I assure you, if we could meet her tonight, where she was right now before she fell, you would be astonished at her understanding. They hang out with the Almighty every afternoon and converse with Him and understand what He's saying to them. 
These are not two ape-like individuals crouched in a cave going, ugh, ugh, ugh. Don't you believe it? They are made in the image and likeness of God. And God comes down in the cool of the day and they hear the wind and they go, it's him, it's him. And him and her go out there and they talk to him and they say, God, that is one amazing sunset. How'd you do that? And he explains it to them and they go, wow. And they understand it. How else could Adam name all the animals and all the things that they did? He's brilliant. Brilliant. I mean beyond what we call genius. We're talking about like God. She is too. They both are. And so he says to her, that's not true. You will not die. Die, die. That's not true. Verse 5. God said that because he knows that when you eat it, you'll be like God. See, he, he's trying to cast a shadow on God's intention and motives that God has some reason to keep them from this, some personal reason. You'll be like God. You'll know what is good and what is bad. And, and see, that's how the enemy works. He'll weave a partial truth in with the lies to throw you off and to try to get you. Well, that's true. So the rest must be true. Verse 6. And the woman did what? Saw, Saw how beautiful the tree was. You've got multiple components going on. He's talking to her. She's seeing She's feeling how good its fruit would be to eat. And she thought how wonderful it would be to become wise. Hold your place here. Go to 1 John, please. Hold your place here. And let's look at 1 John, the second chapter, and the 15th verse. 1 John 2, 15. He said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now, let me ask you a question. What part of your being do you love with? Your heart, not your head. Do you know what part of your being you believe with or that you trust with? Not your head. You don't have faith with your head any more than you love with your head. What the Bible say? For with the heart, man believes. Romans 10. And with the heart you love. So if you love the world, that'd be something in your heart. Neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world, what else is true at the same time? The love of the Father is not in him. Is that true or not? Has to be. What's the problem? It's the problem of something replacing him. Something that you want more than him. And you can't have two masters. You can't have two number ones. Right? You can't. It's going to come down to this. You want one of them more than you want the other. And that's what happened to Eve. And that's what happened to Adam. 
And that's why it was so serious. This is not just a technical mistake. What she does next and what he does following her shows their heart. What did it prove and show? That they did not love God enough. They didn't love him enough. They decided they're willing to risk disobeying him, displeasing him, their fellowship with him in order to get this. They, she decided, she, the Bible said she was deceived, he wasn't. Which makes his sin at least as bad as hers. And she became convinced, I want this. Notice this, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Next verse. For all that's in the world, and he mentions three things. The lust, and lust just simply means desire. The desire of the flesh, and the desire of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Keep reading. And the world passes away, and the desires thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Now go back to Genesis, and you'll see these same three areas right here. And it's the same three areas that the enemy hits everybody with. And he doesn't have to come up with something new, because it's working all too well. In Genesis 3, back where we were there. Verse 6 it is. When the woman what? Saw. Saw how beautiful the tree was. Now what is that? That's the desire of the eyes. What's going on here? She's seeing it and looking at it makes her want it. So now God's told her something. Don't eat of that. And hear the enemy saying, you want this. (laughs) This is what you've always wanted. Whose choice is it? It's hers. What choice is it? Which one you want the most? Is that right? It's a heart choice. Do I want to do what God told me to do? And it's not that we've already been over this. She's not dumb. She's brilliant. I don't care how brilliant you are. You still got to choose. And the most brilliant individuals can make the worst choices too. Did you know Solomon was the wisest man in the earth in his generation? The wisest man that had ever lived? And yet he chose to marry wives that worshipped false gods and go to their temples with them and worship false gods. He chose to do that. No way he didn't know what he was doing. No way. He's the wisest man on the planet. But just because you know what's right doesn't mean you want what's right more than you want something else. And our choices show our heart. Don't they? Our choices show our heart. But this is how it happens. She saw how beautiful the tree was. 
I'm going to jump ahead. How much easier it would have been on her if they hadn't gone out there that day. When the Lord tells you, don't get involved with that. This is wrong. I don't want you doing that. This doesn't please me. It is wisdom. It is so much wisdom to not go anywhere around it. Why? Because in not going anywhere around it, you don't give the enemy any opportunity to seduce you. And the, when you get to thinking, oh, I'm spiritual, I'm full of faith, I'm full of the Word of God, I can handle it, I, I'm not going to do anything, I'm just going to look, I'm just going to you're already falling and don't realize it. <laughs> it's quiet in here. <laughs> Are these things true or not? No, it is so much easier. Why? Don't look at it. Don't play with it. Why? Because there could be something there you like. There could be something there that you really like. And that could be your downfall. And if you never see it, (laughs) and you never mess with it, you don't have to deal with the desire for it. It just eliminates all the stuff the enemy would have to work with on you. Why is he able to work on her? She's out there. Right? Around the tree. Looking at the tree. Listening to him. Maybe she thought, because she was so brilliant and amazing. Maybe she thought, I can handle this. I know God told us, I'm not going to mess with the tree. I'm not going to eat of the tree. And then the serpent starts. She's thinking, yeah, what are you doing? I'm not, I'm not going to do it. But then, that is a legitimate question. You know, why did he tell us that? And he's saying, do you see that? Look at it. Does that look evil to you? He said, that's one of the most beautiful things I ever saw. Of course it is. It's God knowledge. It'll take you to another plane that you've never experienced. This is what you're looking for. This is what will complete you. She's thinking, that's amazing. It is beautiful. What next? Read the next part of the verse. She saw, she saw, saw. How beautiful the tree was. And what else? How good its fruit would be to eat. What's she doing? She's fantasizing about eating this. What is that? That's desire of the flesh. That's taste. That's that's sensual pleasure. What this fruit is going to do to my pleasure receptors to the parts of my brain that experience pleasure. And the snake is feeding it to her. He's saying, you never tasted anything like this in your life. This is a high to beat all highs. You will fly so high, you will experience another dimension. The taste, the taste 
the flood of sensation that will come over you when you taste this. Say that loud. Desire of the eyes. Desire of the eyes. Desire of the flesh. flesh. What else? What came next? And she what? She thought how wonderful it would be to become so wise. She thought I will be a being on another level. What is the pride of life? The pride of life is what you think you are and what you think you can do. It's all about you. And what has happened is the Satan himself through the serpent has breathed what he's contaminated with into her. Because she was willing to listen to it. Because he's the one that got lifted up. Because of his beauty. And because of his wisdom. And his pride. Was that he's going to exalt himself. And be like the most high. Is that right? And he's breathing that same thing. He's contaminating. This pure being. Eve. With this. Because she's willing to look. She's willing to listen. And so she kept on looking at it, thinking about it, and pondering it until she decided that the serpent was right. She was deceived. She was conned. She bought into it. And what'd she do? She took it. She ate of it. She yielded to the enemy. She acted on it. And she gave some to her husband. Now, what's that doing? That's saying, join me. She gave it to him. And I don't know whether he thought, well, you know, he wasn't deceived. So maybe he's thinking, if I don't do this, we're maybe, we'll probably be separated. And whatever's going to happen to her, it's going to happen to me too. We'll be together either way. I don't know what all his thinking was, but he wasn't deceived. And he took it and he ate it. Why are we talking about all this tonight, saints? Do you know? Why? The devil was doing the same thing centuries later at the church of Corinth. wonder what he's doing today. Same, same thing. Same thing. Same thing. I want you to say it again out loud. I am not ignorant of Satan's devices. Say it again. By the grace of God, I'm not ignorant of Satan's devices. Go with me to Deuteronomy 5, please. Deuteronomy 5. Deuteronomy 5 is a repeat of this passage in Exodus where God gave the Ten Commandments. And I want you to notice something here. In the last one, in the Tenth Commandment. Deuteronomy 5.21 says, You must not desire another man's Uh, Your neighbor's wife. I'm reading the, the New English translation. You must not desire another man's wife, nor should you crave his house, his field, his male or female servants, his ox, his donkey, or anything else that he has. Now, of all the things that God told them and gave them that revealed right and wrong, I mean, it's a big world. There's a lot of life. And there's ten things he mentioned. And this is one of them. This was the last one. 
What was the commandment? Don't desire another man's wife. Have you ever heard this phrase? Yeah, but the heart wants what the heart wants. You ever heard that phrase? That's got to be a movie line. (laughs) What does that mean? The heart wants what the heart wants. What does that mean? The implication is that you got no control over what you love and what you want. And the heart wants what the heart wants. (laughs) Somebody said out loud, that's a bunch of junk. (laughs) Love, this is worth you combing your hair and coming out tonight, right here. Sit out loud. Love Love is a choice. choice. Faith Faith is a choice. choice. It's the choice. You can love somebody when they're being mean to you. You can believe in somebody when everything looks like it's not true. Can you believe in God when everything looks like it's not that way? It's a choice. I said it's a choice. And you know what can overcome desires for wrong things? Because all of us have to deal with it. Because all of us got flesh. Sometimes people leave the implication that, you know, young people and teenagers coming up and and going through puberty and going through, uh, you know, changing into an adult and all the hormones that go with that. People act like, you know, there's no way they're not going to experiment with sex and with drugs. And it's just part of growing up. That's another lie. I said, that's another lie. It's another bunch of junk. Every child of God, I don't care if you're 90 or if you're 13. Every child of God has the greater one inside them. And therefore the ability and power to get help in the choice they make. And yes, you will be tempted. Yes, you will. You will be tempted to use bad language. You'll be tempted to go places you shouldn't go. You'll be tempted to get involved with people you shouldn't get involved with. You'll be tempted to experiment with substances. You will be. Somebody said, are you sure? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If not now, later, sometime, you will be. And there's only one way. And there will be times when mama ain't around. When, when this one or that one ain't around. There'll be times when you will have opportunity to do that if you want to. I don't care how hard mom and daddy tried to keep that from happening. It's going to happen. And there's only one thing that would cause you to not fall where millions do. And that is. You love something else more. You want something else more. And if you want it more, you'll choose that instead of that. You'll control your urges. You'll you'll control your appetites. Didn't say you wouldn't be tempted because you will be. But if you're smart, you'll make it easy on yourself. And don't go around it. And don't put yourself in the position to be tempted. How many think it would have been so much better if they hadn't gone out to the tree? 
if they'd have just stayed away from the tree. Going out to the tree was one of their biggest mistakes. Because it opened the door for the enemy to show up and begin to feed this stuff to them. And then the second mistake was by staying. And how many know, even if you made, the, if you're into the second mistake, you went somewhere you shouldn't have gone, and you're listening to stuff you shouldn't be listening to. When anybody suggests that God's a liar, that the Bible is not right, that ought to be, how many know, red lights ought to be flashing, bells ought to be dinging, you ought to think, get yourself out of here right now. Don't let the enemy have any more opportunity to deceive you, to trip you up, to trick you. Thank you, Master. Go with me over to uh, Psalm 37. Thank you, Lord. His word, the Bible said, is able to build you up. And give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. What we're doing right now. Is presenting ourselves before the Lord. And letting him feed our spirit. With words of nourishment. Words of faith. That nourish us up. And help us get crystal clear. In our thinking about things. So that when something comes up. We know immediately. Don't you entertain that. I've already made my choice. I'm not playing with that. I'm not messing with that. And you stay safe. What happened when Adam and Eve yielded and did that? The con was successful. They bow, What they're saying is we choose you. We choose to believe you, Satan. That's why it's so serious. We choose to believe you. That's what he's after. And in essence, they yielded to him. And the Bible said he is now the God of this world. And you remember when he tempted Jesus and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, all this is given to me. Well, who gave it to him? When did he get it? God didn't give it to him. The Bible said to heaven, even the heaven of heavens is the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of men. Do you see anywhere in the Genesis account where God told Satan that he had any dominion over any of this? No, you don't. He did tell the man that he had dominion over all the works of his hand. Well, then how's the devil wind up with it? Because they made a choice to believe the devil more than God. They made a choice to yield to the enemy more than God. And that's why it was so serious. And they died spiritually right then and right there. And just like that, they're aware of evil. And I know the moment they were aware of it, they realized, I wish I never had found out about evil. And now generations of us have come to know what it's like to live in a place full of evil and full of curse and full of destruction. And it never was. God's perfect creation and God's perfect will. But have you read the end of the book? He's going to fix it all. He's going to fix it all. There's going to be a new heaven, new earth where there is zero curse, no curse, no sin, no devil. 
And it's going to be perfect. Have you made your choice? Have you made your choice about who you love most? Who you want to please most? We got to make up our mind and our heart. We don't want anything more than we want him. In Psalm 37.4. Psalm 37.4. What does it say? Delight yourself. Also in the Lord. And what will happen? He'll give you. The desires of your heart. Well what if you're wanting something. In your heart. That he told you you shouldn't have. He mentions specifically. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. What if you say, well, I'm, God's going to give me the desires of my heart and I want her. <laughs> no. What would that show? If you're wanting something else more than you're wanting what he told you to do, that means you're not delighting yourself in the Lord, so you don't qualify. But when you want him and you want his will and his plan and his things more than you want anything else, what's going to happen? The desires of your heart are going to come to pass. They're going to be fulfilled. Skip on over to the 73rd verse. Excuse me. 73rd Psalm. Are you heading that way? This whole 73rd Psalm is really rich reading on the very thing we're talking about right now. But I won't take time. If I start taking this verse by verse, you know, we'd eat breakfast here, I guess. So, uh, Psalm 73, the whole thing, he's dealing with envy. He's looking at ungodly people and how it seems to go good for them and they're not having problems and, and they're making money. And, and he's thinking, and he basically said at one point, did it do me any good to try to live right? Oh, but he got a revelation. He got a revelation of how things are going to end up in the end. And when he did, he said, I was like a brute. I was like a beast. I was so dumb. And then he, he comes to this in verse 25, 73, 25. He says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. Oh, somebody say glory to God. The complete English version says, in heaven, I have only you. And on this earth, you are all I want. Being a Christian is not just about adhering to tenets of belief. It's about the heart. And there are people that go to church and people who pray prayers that are not born again. They don't know God. Being born again always involves loving Him. When you're genuinely born again, the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. And you don't just believe in him technically. You love him. Anybody in here love him? Yes. You think, well, I don't know, you know. So see, to a lot of people, Jesus of Nazareth is like Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. He's like some historical figure. They believe he lived. They believe he existed. But they don't know him. They think, well, I'll adhere to his teachings because they're good moral teachings. No, you can do all that and be lost. But when you're born again and you touch him and he touches you and you experience a part of who and what he is, if your heart's right, you love him. 
and you want to know more about him and you want more of him. Is that you? And if you love him enough, when these choices come up, you'll choose him. Won't you? And he says, I don't want you to do this. And I don't want this for you. And you'll say, well, no matter how much my flesh wants it or my mind wants it or other people think they want it, I care about what he wants. If this is what he wants, that's where we're going. That's what we're doing. I love him more. We saw the last commandment. Uh, Excuse me, I didn't. We weren't done with Deuteronomy. (laughs) Go back to Deuteronomy. Or they'll put it up on the screen. You don't have to go to it. Deuteronomy 5, the last commandment that we read, the 10th commandment, was that you're not to desire things that you shouldn't desire. You're not to long for and covet things that you desire. That was the last commandment. Do you remember the first commandment? Verse 7, the first commandment, you must not have any other gods before me. They go hand in hand. And when that man came to Jesus that day and he said, can you tell us what the greatest commandment is? What did he tell him? Anybody remember? What did he tell him? He said, you will love the Lord your God. But Mark 1230, put it up on the screen for us. Mark 1230. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. This came through again and again in the scriptures. I won't take the time to read them. But this is not the first time you've heard this in the Bible. Again and again, he talked to his people about loving him with all the heart. It's not about being technically correct, technically right, do's and don'ts. It's not about that. It's about the heart. It's always about the heart. Do you love him? Do you trust him? Do you love him more than you love that? Do you want him more than you want that? It's not being empty. It's not missing out on life. Hmm? It's, you know, I've gone all these... um, What are 30 something years of ministry and my training before that without getting drunk or using drugs and getting high? And I don't miss it at all. Come on, are you listening? I got zero women on the side. Not a one. And I don't feel deprived. I got a wonderful woman of God. Hmm? But it's not, it's not just that I have a wonderful wife. I have a wonderful God. And because he is my desire more than anything, I don't have to feel like, well, life is passing by and, and, and I'm getting older and, and, you know, and I'm not partying. I'm not, I'm not this or I'm not that. See, see what happens? Why you hear it all the time? People that used to be in the church. Next thing you know, they left their spouse. They stole money. They ran off, uh, you know, to the island. Why? Why? Because long before they made that move, there was something in them they wanted. There's this fantasy that they want, 
And they, they open themselves up to listen to the enemy and he's convincing them this will fulfill you. This will make you happy. This will make you complete. And only after they do it do they find out it was a lie. And what they did was lose precious things. Did he con Eve? Did he convince her? That's uh, Con is short of confidence. Did he get her to trust him? Hmm? This is why this is so serious. Did he get her to trust him more than she trusted what God told her? That's why this is so serious. And what did he convince her of? You want this. This is beautiful. This is going to taste so amazing. This is going to do things for your body and your being you've never felt and experienced before. This is going to make you so wise. This is going to develop you into another level of being and you're not going to really die. Did he convince her? He did. He did. And what happened? What did she find out the moment she ate of that fruit and gave to her husband? What did she find out? This is not everything you've ever wanted in life. What did happen? She lost everything. She lost her communion with the Almighty. She lost her perfect life with her husband in this perfect garden. She lost her home. She lost her disease-free, curse-free, poverty-free, violence-free. Come on, y'all listening. She lost the perfection she had. What could she have done? What should she have done? She should have enjoyed what she had. She should have enjoyed what God gave her. Right? Century after century. Listen to this. Put this up on the screen for us. Ecclesiastes 6. Ecclesiastes 6 and 9, and this is the uh, Amplified. Ecclesiastes 6 9 says, Better is the sight of the eyes, the enjoyment of what is available to one, than the cravings of wandering desire. This is vanity, emptiness, falsity, futility, a striving after the wind and feeding on it. That's a picture of fantasizing all the time about something you don't have that you think you want. The picture of it is trying to grab the wind. (laughs) What happens when you get a hold of the wind? (laughs) You don't have anything. Is that right? I want the wind. I want the wind. And you grab it and you got nothing. The complete English says, it's better to enjoy what we have then always want something else because it makes no more sense than chasing the wind. Fantasizing about the pie in the sky. It's the perfect thing for the enemy. Because as soon as you go, my life is so dull. My life is so small. What are you immediately saying? You're saying, I'm not thankful for anything that I have I don't appreciate anything God has done for me to me it's all nothing 
And immediately, you begin to hear hissings. Why? Because you wanted to. You want something else. You wanted to. You asked for it without asking for it. What you need is a new life. You need this. You need that. It's in the pill. It's in the bottle. It's in the affairs. It's in the spending. It's in the this. It's in the that. And if you'll start looking at it and listening, he will paint such a picture. There you are. You're the it person. (laughs) You are the cover of a magazine. You are, you are super duper. (laughs) You got it all. You can't be held down by all these petty people you know now. You got to blow this popsicle stand. (laughs) And so you leave people and you burn bridges and cut off folks that have loved you their whole life. People, the only people that care about you like they do. And you go grab you some wind. (laughs) And sadly, a whole lot of folks, by the time they find out, they've lost it all. And come to how many understand just minutes, hours after this, what do we see? We see it's pitiful. These amazing, godlike beings standing out there shivering in the cold, hiding in the bushes, scared of God, scared of each other, scared of what they are, fearful, trembling, hiding, cowering, got kicked out of the garden, reduced what man has been reduced to after that. Oh, but in the fullness of time, there was one born of a woman. Come on, are you listening? The seed of Abraham, the seed of David, the seed of the Almighty. The Messiah who came. And did you know the devil tried to do the very same thing to him that he did to Eve? Go to Luke 4. You got time for this? No, I'm telling you, you do. (laughs) This is life changing right here. Is it? It is. It is. The devil tried to do the same thing with Jesus because he became a man and functioned like other men do. When he became a man, Philippians tells us, he emptied himself. Of his mighty weight and power and glory. And became like other men. He's not functioning on the earth as God. He's not operating in omniscience. And omnipotence. He's operating as a man. And because of that. He could be tempted. And he was. Tempted. In all points like as we are. But it's not a sin to be tempted. It's only a sin when you yield to the temptation. Which he did not. In Luke 4, are you there? Luke 4. When Jesus was baptized in the river and the Spirit of God came on him, verse 1 said, He being full of the Holy Spirit returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Forty days he was tempted of the devil. In those days he did eat nothing. When they were ended, he afterward hungered. 
And verse 3. Here comes the devil. And he said. If you be the son of God. Is he questioning him? Command this stone. That it be made bread. What is this? This is the desire of the flesh. He's hungry. Right? And the enemy is painting him a picture. As he's looking across the desert. And he's looking at these rocks. Sitting in the sand. They look like about the size and shape of a nice loaf of bread. And he hadn't eaten in days and days and days. And now he's hungry. And the devil is painting him a picture of a piping hot. Fresh out of the oven. Loaf of bread. And all you got to do is. Say. Stone. Become bread. I'll take some butter too. And some jam. (laughs) But if you do. Who are you following? Who are you listening to? Who's leading you? Your flesh. And the devil. Would be leading you. So what did he do? It worked on Eve. It worked on Adam. It didn't work on our master. I said it didn't work on our master. Verse 4. Jesus said it is written. I mean he, he's, a, he's operating as a man. He's in the body. He feels just like you feel. When you're tired and hungry. He's really hungry. But you know what he loves more than a hot meal? His father. Pleasing his father. You know what he wants more than to satisfy his flesh? To do the will of God. And to complete the plan. He loves it more. He wants it more. So he said it's written. Man will not live by bread alone. But by every word of God. I love the word more than I love something to eat. Well the enemy did. He wasn't through. Verse 5. The devil takes him up into a high mountain. And did what? Showed him something. What can you do with something that somebody shows you? You look at it. Here's a desire of the eyes. Took him up to a high mountain. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. In all their glory. In all their power. Verse 6. The devil said all this power. That's the word for authority. I will give you in all the glory of them. For it's delivered to me. And to whomever I will. I give it. And if it hadn't been that way. Jesus would have known it. And it wouldn't have been a temptation. But it actually is this way. Which means so many things that people are saying God is in control. Ain't true. (laughs) Ain't true. The devil's actually controlling some stuff down here. Which is why you see all the stealing. And the killing. And the destroying. I know a lot of folks don't like that. But it's Bible. Seven. If you therefore will worship me. All shall be thine. What's he saying? Have we digressed or are we right back where we started? How many masters can you have? One. Hmm? And if the devil's got any say so about it, who's that going to be? Him. He has a God complex. He craves to be worshipped and revered. He craves to be in control and to manipulate 
And he's trying to get Jesus. And he's tempting him by what Jesus sees. And the thing is, it is the master's destiny to be the king of kings and lord of lords. And for all the kingdoms to become his. Is that right? And so the devil's saying, here, you don't need to go to the cross. You don't need to go to the whipping post. You don't need to die. Let's take a shortcut right now, right here. You are king of kings and lord of lords. Look at them. Ain't they pretty? Look how they sparkle. All the kingdoms and all the power and all the glory. Yours now. Just bow a knee to me. What'd Jesus say? What'd Jesus say? What'd Jesus say? It worked on Adam. It worked on Eve. It worked on every human being between them and Jesus. But it stopped right here. Oh, somebody say glory to God. He ran into a wall when he ran into Jesus. He ran into the rock. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God. And come on, help me out. Him only shall you serve. How many masters you got? How many? How many? How many lords? How many gods? One, one, one. Do you love him more than anything else down here? Anybody else? You got to make up our mind that we do. Devil wasn't through. Verse 9. He brought him up to Jerusalem. Set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And said to him. Still hissing. If you be. Son of God. Throw yourself down from here. Verse 10. Because it's written. So he's trying to do what Jesus is doing back to him. Can you see that? Is he cunning? Oh, he is. Don't never underestimate how smart the devil is. People talk about old dumb slew foot. That just shows how foolish they are. You're talking about a being who's been around for millennia. He's seen generations of men come and go. He stupid is not. I mean, you know, anybody that rebels against God, you could call that stupid. But his ability to process and cunning, don't try to go head to head with him with your brain. Don't get in the mental realm with him. Pull him over in the faith realm with you. <laughs> and you'll kick him every time. <laughs> but if you try to go toe to toe with him, figuring and mental and reasoning, you're about to fall. Because he'll tie you up in so many ways. And he tries to do that with Jesus. It is written. You big on it is written. So here it is written. You're going to go with it is written. If you really believe this verse, prove it. Prove it. Jump off of here. Because it's written. He'll give his angels charge over you to keep you. Next verse. In their hands, they'll bear you up. Lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. That is a correct verbatim quote. But it's the devil quoting it. Can you have a perfect quote and a totally wrong application of the Word of God? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. If you believe it, Jesus, do you believe that verse or not? If you believe, jump. Prove it. Prove it. We've seen desire of the eyes, 
desire of the flesh. What do we see in now? Pride of life. Why? What is pride of life? What I am and what I can do. (laughs) Watch me. Watch me sail off the pinnacle of the temple. Watch me float down while angels assist me. Watch me. I'm going to watch me. I'm going to prove to you that the word works. Watch me. See, that's saying, look at me. Look at my faith. Look at what I can do. And that had worked. If one of them didn't work, the other one did. If the second one didn't work, the third one did. But the one of them or most of these had always worked on every human being that had ever been born in the earth until, until now. The first one didn't work. The second one didn't work. How many think he's a pouring it on with this last one? Do you? He's a pouring it on with this. And Jesus said in verse 12, it is said. There's other scriptures too. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. How many know this is one reason you need to read your chapter every day? Yeah. One reason you need to be in every service that you're supposed to be in. Because you need to know it is written, it is written, it is written. And you need to know it is also written. Right? So that you can rightly divide the word of God when somebody tries to misapply scriptures with you. No such thing as knowing too much word. No such thing as being too full of the word. More full of the word you are, the more you really know what he said, the harder you are to trick. The harder you are to con and fool. He said, it is said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Look what happened, verse 13. And the devil left. <laughs> Why? He's out of ammunition. He don't know what else to do. He ended and he left him for a season. Didn't say forever, but, but he left. Why? He's stunned. Why? He's run into a man. He's, he's operating as a man. How many remember the Bible refers to Jesus as a man? Numerous times. He's run into a man that loves God more than his flesh, than what he wants to see, what he wants to feel, than proving anybody what he is or anything. He loves God. He, what did he say? I came down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him that sent me. I do always those things that please him. Jesus is the perfect picture of the perfect father pleaser. Before he went to the cross, he said that the world may know that I love the Father. Is that right? Here we go. It was what got him through the pain. It was what got him through the temptation. And is it the same thing that gets you and I through the temptation, through the pain, that no matter what we see or don't see, what we understand or don't understand, we love him. Right? And when it comes down to a choice, We don't have to think about it. We choose him. I got one master. Right? I got one master I seek to please. Above everything and everybody else. If he says that's not for you, then it ain't for me. I don't care how much my flesh hollers about it. It's not for me. I got to choose him. Right? If he said this is right, this is wrong. No matter what other people are doing and how much it pulls on me. If I love him more, I'm going to choose him every time. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. 
For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.